You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. And Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all, dear listeners. And welcome um, to another live drive time show here from the Voice of Islam Radios. Um, over the next two hours, you are joined by myself, Salman, and Fahim today, and God willing, we will be with you till 6 p.m. And as always, uh, we will be discussing two topics with you, which again are of great importance. So um, keep listening. Um, give us a call on 0208-687-7878 and um, give us your opinion on our topics today. So the f- two topics that we are going to be discussing. Um, the first one is in regards to religion. Are we losing faith, the importance of religion? And in the second hour, we will then be discussing summer break and how you will be or can be making the most of it. But initially, the first hour is in regards to Religion. So, for him, what do you think? Are we losing religion? Do we even need religion? Um, yeah, I, th- I think that um, religion is is a topic that we discuss quite often on the show, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it's something that we feel that, like, personally, I feel like religion isn't as much of a priority in a lot of people's lives. This is just my personal experience, um, mm-hmm. you know. But for me personally, I think that it's. It's something that um, is is what I identify as. I identify as a Muslim, and I feel like it's a big part of my identity. And um, yeah, I think that it's it's something that I think people need more understanding of. I think the 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 messaging and, and the understanding of it is is something that has been reduced significantly. So I think yeah, to a certain degree, I think I think we'd probably need to delve in it a bit more deeper. Definitely, definitely. I mean this. Um, definitely is 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 a hot topic, and um, a, a a question that people often raise is what is the need for religion in the first place, and what benefit does it really give to us? And I mean, another sort of significant fact is that um, just around let's say a hundred years ago or so, religion was a a very substantial part of life. Not even a hundred, probably f- maybe even fifty years ago. So all the people across the centuries before us um, did deem religion to be an essential part of their lives. But well, it's, now, it's in law as well, right? Exactly. A lot of countries are Absolutely. based on religion. Exactly, exactly. But now somehow uh, over the past few decades, we are supposed to be uh, a lot more educated. And we, we, we do, as in not we, but generally people do, believe that the need for religion has has lessened or isn't there at all now humankind has obviously evolved over many millennia and so has our understanding and attitude towards one another but um 
where did the ideas of moral goodness develop from? Did, did religion give us moral, uh, morality or is it merely a product of our own mental evolution? If religion is about providing to us principles concerning the distinction between the right and wrong or good or bad behavior, is that not something we can establish without the aid of religion? So these are obviously all, all topics that you would get from someone um, that isn't as much of a believer or not a believer at all. A, a, a beautiful um, extract that, that, that um, I, I've got here for, for our listeners, though, is from the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmed, upon whom be peace. And he, he actually gives a very interesting insight um, to all these questions. And, and one thing that I really love reading uh, um, about the second caliph of the community is that mm. he would put the, the most, um, I would say, difficult concepts into very, very simple words. So yeah. uh, again, this is a great way of explaining. It's, things, it's right? such a great way of, of, of explaining to, to to the common man, especially when it comes to matters of religion. Mm. He did put here in very simple terms. Mm. So he said that man has been created for a purpose, and although religion is beneficial for man, there are many things that man does not naturally perceive to be beneficial. For example, before the invention of the train. We could not perceive its need and now that trains have been invented, whichever government does not have a railway system, the country is uh, in, in question is said to lack a basic necessity. Similarly, in the period before our current postal system was in place, we did not perceive the need for such a postal system. However, now that such a system has been implemented, any area that is devoid of the system is frowned upon. On the same principle, until one discovers God, they will neither understand nor perceive the need for God. However, when one establishes a connection with, with God, then that individual can never be in denial, nor will they be able to live their life without this truth. Thus, the question of the need for religion is dependent upon the existence of God. If God exists, then one is in need of religion. I mean, isn't that so simple and so beautiful all at the same time? Exactly, and you know, it's it's simple, right? We don't, we don't, if we don't search for it, we won't know that we need it, right? There's there's so many solutions out there that you don't know that you need, and uh, I think it's it's really important to to understand that you know, um, if God does exist, there needs to be a religion. Um, so, like, why is there a need for religion, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think religion is the key that opens the conscious of the existence of God Almighty. In the ancient times, humankind was still at the start of its civilization and was still evolving mentally, physically, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. So when the man, when man, humankind had reached a certain level of intellect and was ready to receive that divine law, then God Almighty decided to send prophets to each nation with guidelines and laws for how we should live our lives and to get out get to know our creator god so it, it was once we were conscious of that fact and and that there was that need like god knowing being the all-knowing yeah. then sent those representatives and, and those prophets to mm. guide us right mm-hmm. and this evolution of good morals and good behavior in humankind wasn't blind or due to the advancement of society the foundation of morality actually originated through 
religions which were established by the prophets of God Almighty. Um, all good qualities that we act upon today, whether we are religious people or non-religious people, stem from the religious principles, which are universal and are accepted across all you know, the major religions and ideologies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, killing, uh, usurping others' rights, theft, all of these things. Don't you feel, um, someone like that? Um, we have this like innate thing within us, right? Like, yeah. it's it it almost just feels wrong, right? Like we know when things are not right, you get this sense of feeling, and I think that when you when you search for wait what's the cause of that feeling that you know mm-hmm. we both just automatically know that killing someone else is wrong mm-hmm. right it's not being like you know it like it's it's obviously coming from somewhere within us i think that that is a, a sign of god in my opinion where like you know there's these certain feelings that everybody naturally feels and it's like an exactly, innate thing right exactly i mean look um when i I was sort of making my own thoughts about this topic, right? Mm. Um, when once you start thinking about this, is when you realize how much your life is actually um, guided by religion, mm. right? So every single thing you do, you you probably now perceive them as 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 being second nature to you, but initially they were thought to you in the name of religion, mm. right? So the since obviously this is Voice of Islam, so we we are going to be speaking about the Islamic point of view on on, mm-hmm. on all this. Now, Islam teaches you about the most basic things, such as don't lie. Yeah. Right. So, as children, that that's something we were taught that look, you're not supposed to lie. Mm. Right. And I remember, and that's probably what every child, every Muslim child, has been taught that look, even if no one's seen you, God has seen you. Yeah. So that one bit that um, God is always watching you has been with us throughout life and has now become part of us. Mm. So whatever we do now, we, we always know that, look, whether someone can see me or not, ultimately Allah the Almighty is watching me yeah. and I am going to be paying for whatever I have done and I, I will be getting my rewards for whatever I have done, right? Yeah. So religion definitely, definitely is such a beautiful guide. Mm. I mean, people without religion, they they do have a sort of moral compass which yeah. which they follow, but then religion just sort of goes beyond that because religion then goes to the extent of saying that look, if your neighbor is starving, you'll be accountable for that. Yeah. Right. If if um, there is someone dying and, and you don't help, if if there's someone being persecuted and you don't help, if there is someone who's being wronged and you don't help out, right all of these things a Muslim will be accountable for. Yeah, I, I totally agree because I think that um, religion and, and Islam specifically in, in, in this context is just, um, it helps you not be selfish. Yeah. Right? Like It just yeah. makes you think of other, because it's so easy, right? It's so easy to be consumed in your own life, doing your own things, only worrying about your bubble, the people you're around, mm-hmm. right? It's, you have to make a conscious effort to think, hey, you know what? There's other people in the world that are starving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's maybe my neighbor down the street is really struggling financially. Like, w- whatever it is, yeah. like, you you don't really make that conscious effort. And I think that what the beauty of religion is, is it makes me more conscious of those around me. Mm-hmm. It makes me get out of my own head and uh, stop pri- prioritizing myself exactly. and think about others. Absolutely, so I, I think that yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, absolutely, you're right there because look, um, what religion does, 
it, it puts your uh, you being selfish in a sort of beautiful way. So what happens is that if I give, uh, for instance, if if I give charity towards those in need, hmm. in return I will be rewarded as well, yeah. right? So because I have the hereafter in mind, yeah. my ultimate goal is not to succeed in this world. My 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 goal is is not to sort of be very very wealthy in this world. Hmm. Rather, I'd have the wealth in the hereafter. Yeah. So. When I am helping others, essentially, I am going to be helping myself, hmm. right? So this is me being selfish. At the same time, I'm also helping out others. So this this sort of teaching, hmm. you won't get from a moral compass because there, because there is no God, there is no hereafter. Yeah. So the the whole concept, just as the second caliph has so beautifully described, hmm. that without the existence of God, there is no religion. And that moral compass is so so limited because we don't have religion, right? Yeah. Now, obviously, um, question obviously remains: What's the purpose of religion? Right? Yeah. Um, it is essentially to improve the moral standard of people in in the reflection of God's attributes, so that one shows love, tolerance, and understanding to towards others. Mm. Religion is based on two um, overarching um, obligations: the rights due to God. And the rise due to creation, as we were mentioning earlier, mm. that those two two things actually do go hand in hand. Thus, um, Islam teaches that a Muslim's first duty is to serve his Creator, to worship Him, and to follow His command, um, which is known as hukukullah, so mm. the the rights which are due to God. Yep. And his second duty is to serve humanity, which is hukukul ibad, which is the rights that are, uh, are due to the creation of God. So, so, I have a quick question for you, right? Because right. I feel like people often, you know, when a um, when you say your job, like your 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 first duty is to serve your creator, right? A lot of people can um, automatically think that, hey, that means I need to do some, you know, uh, terrorist act or whatever it is that they think that that's serving their creator. Yeah. Like, how can you kind of explain to like our listeners that that may not know that like, what does it mean to like really serve your creator? And and because I've always found that 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 ser- like although we're serving God, God doesn't need it, right? It's it's for ourselves really. And and I think I think people could benefit from like understanding that a bit more if you want to elaborate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, look, look, um, our, our perception of God. Right. If if we look at it from a point of view, because God Himself describes uh, at at uh, many occasions that God's love for His creation is is seventy times more than that of a mother's toward her children. Right. Now, how can you win over a mother mm. by by loving your children? Mm. How 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 can you sort of um, get her attention? You see, when you love her children, mm. it is when she will automatically love you because, yep. look, it is her children at the end of the day. Now, you're absolutely right. God doesn't need us. Mm. God doesn't need our prayers. God doesn't need our charity. Mm. God has created this world, right? And it has many, many, many issues which ultimately have been created by us yep. human beings. But the solution is right there as well. So you want to serve God, mm. you serve his creation. Right, um, and if you look at the 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 pillars of Islam, right, the the only thing 
that we actually do and which stays sort of between us and God is our five daily prayers. Anything beyond that is actually, which is, for instance, zakat, for instance, right? Mm. The concept of zakat, um, which is help out the people in need, right? The obligation of hajj. But then at the same time, it, it also says in a hadith that, look, if you have a neighbor that is starving, then that money which you have saved up to go for a hajj should actually be given to that neighbor, yeah. right? Because you see the rights of humans just come before anything else. Yeah. You need to make sure that the creation of God has uh, has sort of an easy and and um, just a simple life where, where, where they have all the basic necessities that are needed. This is how you serve your God at the end of the day. Yeah. Obviously, there are individual things that, that one can do, um, except for the five daily prayers. There is your Nawafil prayer, your Tahajjud, where you get up in the middle of the night and you offer your prayers. Yeah. All of these things are as important. But, I mean, to to me, to uh, sort of, um, to, to just put this, this whole thing into a very simple example is the example of a mother. Hmm. Um, what easier way is there but to love the children of that mother? Definitely, no, no. I think this 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 great way of saying it because, you know, ultimately, see, see what what I love about this this situation, right? Is that, um, and I think that's why like mother's love is is usually uh, described as unconditional, and and what I love about this this kind of teaching is that, um, God is so uh, great that instead of being like. Oh, um, I want you to listen to me and serve me before anyone else, mm, right? Mm. That could have easily been the, the, the guidance, right? Like mm, serve me, mm. but that you simply th- said, like I, God has has instructed us to do Hajj, yeah. but if someone next to us is, is starving, that money goes that 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 like level of care and, yeah. and like you know then that that's a pure teaching of of and, a pure being, right? And that really is the distinction between being human and God at the mm. end of the day. All the kings and emperors, right, uh, over over history, have all, always asked to be served yeah. in in monetary terms, uh, with food and 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 with um, statues and buildings yeah. and empires, etc., etc., etc. But there was no such thing as as genuine care, mm. as care that just goes beyond any limitation. But that yeah. at the end of the day is um, God for you, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we will obviously speak about this uh, in, in more detail in 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 a bit. Um, we now have with us our first guest caller, um, which is Abdul Hadi Masood, who is the Imam and missionary of the Ahmadiyya community in Kifle. Uh, imam Abdul Hadi, Assalamu Alaikum, Jazakallah for joining us, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Wa Alaikum Assalam. Thanks for having me. Um, Jazakallah for taking all your time for us. Um, Imam Abdul Hadi, um, really to, to, to go straight into the topic as we are discussing religion today, um, what do you think is the reason for negligence towards religion, especially in today's world? So, uh, negligence towards religion comes from lack of knowledge. Um, when we don't see a purpose and benefits of something, we tend to neglect it. And we see this every, uh, all the time. Uh, for example, a child does not want to study because he doesn't see a benefit in studying. Or some people don't want to do physical exercise uh, because they don't see the value of 
physical exercise. So it all comes back to lack of knowledge that people who don't have who have lack of knowledge or about religion, uh, they don't see a benefit in it, and that's why they neglect it. The reason it is so prevalent in today's society is because uh, our society, and especially Western world, it promotes the idea of atheism, uh, that there is no God. And uh, people who are most influential, either they are atheists or they are agnostic. And in both ideologies, you don't believe uh, in religion. Uh, agnostic believe that there might be a God, uh, but they say that uh, religions are wrong, that they're man-made. So when we have this society, of course people will not uh, acquire the right knowledge about religion and see the benefits and value of religion. So that's the reason why there is so much negligence towards religion nowadays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great, great. Um, yeah. Um, now, in, t- in today's world, obviously, there, there is the increase of uh, materialism. How can um, mankind truly recognize the true purpose and benefits of religion? So, as I said, the reason there is so much materialism is because people see the benefit and uh, the purpose of those things. There is value in it. Why do we give value to a piece of paper or piece of plastic nowadays? It's because we see the value of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the re- uh, so the way we can show the true purpose and benefit of religion is to give people the knowledge about religion. It comes back to the people who believe in religion, that they have to give this knowledge to the people. The promised Messiah, al-Islam, uh, he told us about three ways of acquiring knowledge. He said that there is three ways of acquiring knowledge. There's the one, one of the ways is reasoning, logical reasoning. The second is your eyesight to see something. And the third one is to experience something. Um, and as you know, the promised Messiah gave the example of fire. He said that if you see from far away that there is a lot of smoke coming, uh, then you will know that there is a fire over there. Mm-hmm. When you come near it, then there, uh, you will see, for, see that the fire is there. So you will uh, have another way of acquiring knowledge. And then the, to complete that knowledge, to be 100% sure that the fire is actually there, uh, if you put your hand in the fire and experience the heat, then you, uh, then you will know for certainty, then you will be certain that the fire is actually there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these are the three ways we should uh, show people the benefit and the purpose of religion. Um, we should uh, show the religious teachings, which uh, show uh, which can be uh, they can think about it and they can reason their way through and see that there is benefit in these teachings, and they can use their eyesight and see the people uh, who have actually benefited from religious teachings, and then it may be after going through these two stages, they will be willing to experience it for themselves. So they might pray themselves and see that if there is some truth to it. So this is the way we can show people the true purpose and benefit of religion. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I truly, I mean, um, what what more beautiful way to explain this um, than the words of the promised Messiah himself. Um, another question I have for you, and uh, I mean, it is a, quite a vast question, actually, but I, I'm, I'm, I hope you, you, you can sort of summarize this for us. Um, 
what is the proof that God exists? And if he does exist, what influence does he have over us? Um, so as you mentioned, it's, it's a very vast question. And uh, there is very, a lot of ways to prove the existence of God. Uh, but I think, in my opinion, um, the biggest miracle that was given to mankind uh, through the Holy Prophet is the biggest proof of God's existence. So the miracle of the Holy Quran, the book that was given to the Holy Prophet uh, is the biggest miracle and biggest proof of the existence of God because it encompasses all kinds of miracles. Um, and it could be anything. If you're into philosophy, uh, the Quran will give you the philosophy which will be a miracle for you. If you're if you're a scientist, uh, there will be uh, a miracle in the the Quran has scientific miracle in it. The, there is historical miracle in it, and there is linguistic miracle in it. So all kinds of miracles are in the Holy Quran, and I think, in my opinion, the biggest proof of the existence of God. And when there, we have a book which. Um, touches upon all aspects of human life, then of course it influences all aspects of human life as well. So uh, uh, the Holy Quran and the teaching, uh, the religion, uh, actually influences every aspect of human life. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is our responsibility to follow those teachings for the betterment of ourselves and the society around us. Absolutely. Um, lastly, uh, Imam Abdul Hadi, I um, want to ask you, how far does um, religion actually influence human faculties? As I mentioned, uh, uh, religion, or specifically, uh, if I were to talk about the Islam, um, influences every aspect of human life. Um, and it teaches us that we have to control, uh, if we are talking about the human faculties, uh, Islam teaches us that we have to control and guide uh, every single uh, emotion faculty that we have. Uh, and this is something that we differ from from the people who don't believe in God, because they say that uh, there are some good faculties in human beings and there are some bad ones. So they would say that kindness, compassion, these things are good, and you have to express these things. Uh, while their uh, anger or arrogance or fear uh, these things would be, uh, you should suppress these things. But Islam teaches us that every emotion, every faculty that we have has a purpose behind it. And it just needs to be regulated and controlled in the right way and used in, a, in an appropriate manner. So if we take the example of humbleness, for example, um, humbleness is a very good quality because you don't look down on people, you treat people with kindness. Uh, and it can have a good effect on you because in whichever field you're working in, it can make you strive for it. But the same kind of thinking, if it's out of control, um, it can uh, you can undermine your uh, faculties a bit too much and uh, it can uh, turn into negative thinking and you might undermine yourself to the point where you're hopeless and you will be ungrateful to the people around you who have helped you and you will be ungrateful to God Almighty for giving you all these faculties. So a good, just like this, a good faculty can easily turn into a negative faculty if you don't control it. Another example is anger, for example. Everyone knows that anger is a bad thing because 
uh, you can hurt other people, you can do things that are not really good. Uh, but it can be, if it's controlled and regulated, it can be a really good thing. Uh, it could, uh, you can use it to protect uh, people from injustice. You can protect an innocent person from injustice. And we have a uh, uh, incident uh, from the life of Hazrat Ali, who was a companion of the Holy Prophet. And we see how religion affected uh, the qualities uh, of companions when we uh, when we read this incident. So the incident is that Hazrat Ali was fighting in a war, and uh, he was fighting someone, and uh, he overpowered him, and he sat on him, and he was just about to strike when the uh, opponent spat on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the opponent spat on him, uh, he uh, stopped, and he got off him, and he didn't. He showed the intention that he is not going to kill him. So the opponent, of course, he was baffled. He didn't know what was going on. So he asked Hazrat Ali, "What's the reason? Why did you stop?" And Hazrat Ali said that the, before I was fighting in the name of Allah, I was fighting for the injustice that was that has been caused to the Muslims. Um, but when you spat on me, the, that anger, everything turned personal. And I wanted to kill you because of my personal reason, because of the anger that uh, you spat on me. So that's why I stopped. And it is said that this affected that man so much that he uh, that that he accepted Islam uh, later on in life. So this is how religion influences uh, our faculties. Absolutely. Um, Imam Abdul Hadi, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you and Jazakallah for your time. And I wish you a lovely day ahead. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum So, yeah, I'm um, just um, speaking with um, Imam Abdul Hadi, who is the Imam and the missionary of the community in Kifli. And I mean, some, some great insight that we have gotten into religion and the existence of God, the miracle of the Holy Quran. And um, what what he told us right at the end, um, the incident with Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu to uh, on 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 be peace. Um, that is exactly what we were also trying to explain to our listeners early on that look, religion has a massive impact on you, right? Mm. Um, now, Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu has already overpowered someone. He is sitting on him and. There is nothing stopping him from killing him, right? Mm. But even in that moment of 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 uh, adrenaline and 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 the heat of the moment and everything, he is still able to differentiate between the um, war, which or the 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 battle, mm. which is being fought in the way of God, and his own personal um, um, anger, yeah, right. And then he he decides. Well, now I I I cannot kill him at this moment because um, it would be for myself. Hmm. This is exactly what religion is teaching you yeah. to control yourself, yeah. um, to use. Um, and um, I I remember we 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 had a show in uh, this regard a couple of weeks ago as well about anger, and even then we had established that Islam teaches you how to control your anger. So uh, and sometimes it is also the need of the time to actually. I mean, for instance, when you are fighting a battle, for instance, mm. 
right and it is for the uh for 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 the sake of religion or or you're fighting off an enemy who uh, who is um um being uh, uh who 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 is uh persecuting people uh that are not able to fight back yeah. right and you need anger at that time obviously yeah. to 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 fight to defend them yeah. yeah to to defend them but ultimately what islam does what religion does is teach you how to control those emotions and this is how islam um influences your human faculties as is, uh, imam abdul hadi was ex- explaining to us yeah so um for him, as as we were obviously um discussing earlier so um one religion um that has out of all the other religions reached the pinnacle of hmm. evolution is obviously islam yeah no definitely and um like all religions that have come into the world were sent by god almighty through his honorable prophets and the oneness of god was the origin of all religions the prophets in the past were only sent for specific nations tribes and people and so the teaching brought by those prophets was incomplete um i think immediately it makes me think that um you know the the commonality and and the uh, consistency with all religions of like at least basic moral understanding in what mm-hmm. we were saying earlier about how um you know uh everybody knows not to kill right like these these consistencies that everybody feels like innately and through religion i think they all prove that oneness of god that's that's the first thing that comes to mind mm-hmm. uh, for me but um anyway as i was saying however as humankind evolved in its intellectual spiritual material and worldly progress god almighty introduced a unique perfect religion and that is islam and god almighty introduces religion to the world which became the p- pinnacle as you mentioned of religious evolution mm-hmm. because it combined you know the best um features of the earlier teachings with the everlasting and comprehensive teachings of its own and you know we'll reference the quran here and uh, as as said by allah the almighty uh, in the holy quran therein are the everlasting teachings and that's chapter 98 verse 4 and you know it, it just shows it's it's a pinnacle and it's a complete religion and you know going back to the question a bit just um are we losing faith is like uh, imam um Imam Abdul Hadi Masood, he he mentioned it earlier. It's, it's a lack of education, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's in and you know when you it's it's like an exam, right? Okay, if you've got the materials, what the exam is going to be about, and you haven't looked at them, how can you expect to do well? Right? Absolutely. So I, I I kind of think of religion like that, where it's like okay, you've give, been given a guidance on how to conduct yourself in a moral way that pleases god that you know helps you be a better person and and engage with the rest of society in a in a good way um so if you don't learn that then you can't really do it and and you know as there's no compulsion in religion if people don't want to learn it that, that's entirely up to them but mm-hmm. what it is is that you can't say that god hasn't given it to you right like they, it's not like god is expecting things of you but they're not giving you the method in which to achieve them. It's like, and I think that that's where um, the kind of, you know, this losing of faith that we're, that we're discussing about religion, I think that um, that's where 
it, it really does come down to a, a level of education and you know this is one of the purposes of the show of, of, of you know this channel is to, to educate people on the the teachings of islam um so yeah just stick with Absolutely. us and, and I mean, we'll keep learning um just as we had the extract of the second caliph uh, at the beginning of, of our show today mm. um because we don't have or had the knowledge of let's say smartphones yeah right um those phones weren't in need of the time but today um try switching back to a brick phone yeah right <laughs> exactly although um sometimes i i wish i could yeah. right <laughs> because it's it's just so much uh, it's just sometimes it's, it's just too much yeah. to take in but yeah, yeah i mean at the end of the day i mean the the example of cars for example mm. um people used to walk many many miles a day just to reach different uh, destinations and then they would use um animals Mm. as a means of transport such as um um horses and donkeys etc right yeah. uh camels and obviously we did evolve as human beings and then we came to um bicycles and 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 cars and, mm. and obviously planes, planes trains, and, and trains yeah. and, and whatnot right flying But, cars soon probably um the someone that lived in let's say the 19th century um he wouldn't know the the usage of a smartphone yeah or the usage of of a a a, a private car for example right mm. so f- for him it's it's probably a a matter of now my my life is fine but as the second caliph described that once you have actually seen god once you felt god once you have seen that miracle with your own eyes or if you, you felt it w- within your own being mm. then there is no way back because then you realize well this is something which i need the most in my life hmm. um i think we have our second yeah, caller with we'll us get, we'll get back to that because we've got our second caller with us today um our next caller is louise pine jones she is the um head of programs and policy at the faith and belief forum assalamu alaikum peace and blessings of allah be upon you welcome to the show louise Um I want to get straight in because this is a topic that we could discuss for hours and hours but um why do you think that religion and faith is so important? Wow. <laughs> that's a very that's a very good topic. I mean um in the work that we do um it's you know about actually religion and faith and communities um and how those how those things work together and how um you know we can facilitate people to feel confident and positive about all aspects of their identity as such mm. um as we'll probably discuss a bit later a lot of our programs are um about equipping learners whether they are um young people you know through formal formal education such as school or older people through trainings um so i mean i suppose having that feeling of confidence in yourself in your you know faith or belief or um identity you know across all the um kind of other intersections of identity as well um are are really important i think for building um a strong society yeah well, definitely and so you know it you can definitely have good morals without religion what w- sure. what would be like why w- how would you explain to someone like why we still need religion 
um, again, I mean, I think everything is sort of down to choice, but mm. the idea is that, um, you know, communities, faith communities assist in, you know, a kind of a collective responsibility. Um, I'm not saying that, again, I have to caveat that that's not um, the case without faith. Yeah. Um, but there is that inherent kind of um, sense of um, collective responsibility, I'd say, amongst faith groups um, and faith communities. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure there are other types of communities as well that have those senses of collective responsibility. Definitely. You know, it, it gets that unification. So, no, definitely. Um, so... In your in your role, like, how do you help young people feel confident about you know communicating and collaborating with anybody, regardless of their faith, their belief, their culture, or their background? Yeah, no, we we work really closely with um, you know a, a number of groups of young people in our programs are, are really quite focused on that because obviously, without being cliche, you know, the youth is the future in so many senses. Um, so we have a, a program um, called Parliamentos, which is a UN award-winning leadership program, um, which, you know, sort of basically gets groups of university students of, of across different um, faith and belief groups um, and gets them working together with a, um, a, you know, a parliament, a mentor from an MP um, from parliament. Of course, this kind of helps to build all sorts of, um, you know, positive um, experiences uh, and, and, and confidence. Um, you know, one of our goals is to equip learners and another one is to build movement um, and another is to project voice. So all of those kind of three things come into, um, you know, helping young people feel confident in their in their identity, whatever that may be. Um, and, you know, to be working with other people and other groups of different and the same identity as well. Mm. And we do a similar thing within schools as well um, in our education and learning programs. So it's, it's really key, we think, to, um, you know, have secure and confident young people Definitely, I think one of the personally, I think that um, you know, one of the big things about where insecurities develop is just not knowing yourself and no knowing how you identify. So this this is really important work. Um, so as you as you know, that there's a number of people in the UK identifying themselves as non-religious. You know, it's increasing. You know, not just in the UK but globally. So could you tell us about how your work enables people to you know reflect on their own religious identities? And, and the identities of others. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the key thing is sort of working together collaboratively in community. I mean, when we talk about interfaith dialogue, that's what we sort of mean really is, you know, having, um, you know, people with different uh, identities, religious and non-faith and beliefs, of different faiths and beliefs, um, you know, working together, creating some kind of movement, some kind of ch learning, firstly, creating some kind of movement to create change. And mm. then, you know, by creating that change, then, you know, spreading that to other communities that, you know, may not necessarily be faith-based. Faith so, you know, we work with all different types of groups um, as well. Um, I think events are, you know, really key to that and bringing other individuals into that arena that may not necessarily have crossed that path if they don't come through it through training or through education 
Um, an example is the fun run that we are um, organising, the London Interface Fun Run, which is on the 29th of August um, at Stone Stadium in Barnet. It's, you know, it's an opportunity, obviously, to raise money for charities. It's an opportunity for people to, you know, use sport for kind of positive ends. And it is an interface, um, you know, event platform, essentially. Mm. Um, but really, it's it's open to everyone. It's family friendly. There's a festival area. So it can show, you know, the kind of whole, um, you know, ness and diversity of society, um, whether, you know, uh, faith-based groups and obviously led by, you know, um, faith communities and faith-based groups, um, but, you know, kind of making it inclusive and 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 therefore everybody uh, to to enjoy really that sounds like a great event um thank you so much for your time today louise um thank be, you. you know have a, have a great rest of your day thank you you too Take Assalamu alaikum. so we just had louise pine jones she was the head of programs and policy at the faith and belief forum um Suleiman, i think that it this spared a kind of thought in my head um this conversation with louise and i wanted to share it with you mm-hmm. um i had a colleague once who said to me that um uh, if it wasn't for university he wouldn't have like ever had interacted with people who were a dis- different color different um you know faith or anything and that coming to university enabled him to actually understand other people and know that you know these other things and not be ignorant and um you know that the reason i'm sharing that is because i feel like i'm bringing it back to the the original point of it's about education right like Mm. if you don't have experience of others and and you know that's why organizations like um the the events that louise is is organizing it's great because it these interfaith you know a lot of people can say oh why do you do this everyone just says hi hello like it's it's not a big deal but i think it really is because there's you need the exposure to other people their thoughts their beliefs so that you can understand how you know they are and from that experience and exposure you you can build an understanding and then you can be educated and then you can make decisions based on your life and you know religion is is you know for us a, a great guide but um you know it, it also builds a community and helps towards um you know reaffirming your faith absolutely 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 i mean um whatever you can do you should do um in in order to 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 promote this and I mean, this is uh, specifically speaking about islam which is a very unique and distinct religion because the teachings um which islam brought are they, they are i mean they're still relevant today right mm. um in in this day and age like it was 15 1400 years ago uh which 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 provide a comprehensive code of social and moral behavior um also to facilitate the um observance of this code the almighty provided us a perfect model in the person of the holy prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam peace and blessings of allah be upon him mm. who appeared and brought with him the word of god um, the Holy Quran and I mean by by studying the Holy Quran one thing you see is um, it is so relevant even in today's day and age yeah. and the the moral code that was described um, it, it really um, goes across time and I mean problems that people back then especially in the um, Arabian uh, Peninsula um, in, in, in Mecca and in Medina mm. some of the problems they didn't even face 
but the solutions were provided. Now, now you, you ask yourself, if, if this was a, a work of man, right? He should have focused on his tribal problems hmm. or of the problems from, from uh, yeah. within the Arabs. But how does a book uh, um, encompass all of those issues that mankind has ever faced or will ever face in future? I mean, even today, and this is obviously what, what we say as uh, Muslims, that we can challenge anyone, that you bring us a problem even today in 2021 and we can give you a solution to that from the Holy Quran as Imam Abdul Hadi was also mentioning earlier that one of the biggest uh, proofs for the existence of God is the miracle of the Holy Quran yep. a book that has been uh, um, has been saved for us over so many centuries not even a word has been changed within yep. that book and it the book even today is so meaningful that I mean most of us Muslims, we've probably read the Holy Quran more than five or ten times. Mm. Despite that, you will always be getting some new meaning out of it. Yeah. And for all your problems, I mean, I, I myself can, 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 can tell you from experience that whatever problems I have ever faced, if I open the Quran, I will find some sort of solution to it. Yeah. This, this could be personal. This could be within my social circle. This could be um, on a on a on a more sort of regional level or on a a a a, a country level. Hmm. Um, how to run a country? Hmm. How to be an obedient citizen? How to be a father? How to be a mother? Hmm. How to behave as children? Um, how to behave with your neighbors? Wife, husband. Um, how um, how to share your properties? How to share your wealth? How to spend your money? Um, how to behave when you're angry? How to behave when you're happy? Right. Every single yep. thing has been described within that book, it's and that, that 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 is the example. Because when when God in the Holy Quran, addressing the Holy Prophet, said that al akmaltu lakum that on this day I have completed religion for you, hmm. um, it, it was so true. I mean, every single uh, word of that statement, obviously it it is God's word at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, that book has has really taken into account every aspect of life and yes a hundred percent probably one of if not the biggest miracle uh we can see in today's day and age definitely no i i, I totally agree and it's just it's such a complete book and you know it, uh, as as mentioned before it, it just it proves the existence of god and but um, when it comes to losing faith and and you know religion in general I, j I just often like go back to thinking about um, what does religion like give for me and and for me like you know uh, as Louise mentioning it's about identifying uh, right like I identify as a Muslim mm -hmm. and so like uh, to people who would say to me why do we need religion for example I'd say well me identifying as Muslim gives me this moral compass this guide of how to act in any situation like you were saying right mm -hmm. so I think that that's what's key here is that you feel uh, more content, you feel more relaxed because ultimately no matter what issue you go through, you know there's a solution waiting for you in a book and, you know, through uh, um, an understanding of that religion, you've just got to seek it. And I think that, you know, and and a lot of people with when it comes to religion, they're like, you know, if I can't see God, then why does God exist? You know, there's there's all these types of things. I always say to them that like religion is is faith 
and faith as by definition can't you don't need faith if it's a fact right so there always has to be that air of uh, ambiguity right mm-hmm. like um mm-hmm. y- you if it was fact then it would just be it wouldn't d- they would re- require no faith mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. that that's really important for people to understand that there has to be that element of hey i have to believe in something that i can't with 100% like be able to scientifically prove or like mm-hmm. you know like that there has to be that because that's what it takes to reach god to have that faith that he exists without n- like having any you know worldly proof exactly and i mean um you, you did rightly mention that you know religion brings you contentment um mm-hmm. being content is so important um let's take the example of of a child right i mean we were all children at, mm-hmm. at some point um if if my bike is broken right and i can't fix it myself i i would pass it to my dad hmm. right now there are two scenarios in my head one is he will fix it the second one is if he can't fix it he will buy me a new one yeah. but i am definitely going to have a bike yeah right in the world when we do something as muslims or when we are trying to achieve something but we can't reach it we being muslims have the option of then praying to god and leaving the matter with him. Yeah. With the firm belief that yes, something will come out of yeah. it. That is the feeling we had when we gave that bike to our father. Mm. Right? Yeah, I like that. When yeah. you don't have a god, you keep trying. Yeah. And this is ultimately going to cause you so much stress and anxiety. You keep trying to ride the bike even if even though it's broken. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So y- you keep trying to fix it, but you can't fix it and then you say okay let me still try and ride it somehow and and then you probably end up breaking it even more right mm. so that's just going to increase your, your your stress levels and your anxiety and this is what human beings are doing in this day and age because mm. we don't have that one being mm. that we completely and fully rely on mm. that w- that you know would be as muslims as at 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 one point when when we are out of options right mm. although the, the the stage should come much earlier but being human beings we try to solve things ourselves yeah um we say to allah taala um look allah the almighty now because i am hopeless and helpless right and i have done everything there was in in, in my power to do the rest i'm going to leave to you yeah when you say that prayer you you come out of there with with, with such peace of mind right 100%. because you know that i have given this issue this matter to a higher being yeah. that is obviously the almighty that has so much more power so much more control over things right Definitely. this is what religion gives you right it, it gives you that 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 complete contentment uh with life that there is someone that can take care of me without being actually right there without being physically visible yeah. right so th- that that again is is the beauty of religion which without religion is obviously not not possible not possible right yeah religion's that blueprint that helps you get to god now obviously uh, another good reason is a is a need of for religion um it's also because religion de- um defines the essence of good morals and teaches us not to only think about what we consider to be good or bad for ourselves but to also care and think for the benefit of the whole human kind as as we were also obviously sharing with our listeners earlier on religion explains that sometimes certain good deeds give us no benefit or in fact it might be to our uh uh detriment uh right but uh it's imperative that we uphold those good morals and create a just 
balanced and peaceful society where everyone's rights are, are um, safeguarded. Now, obviously, um, as, as you were mentioning earlier as well, such a vast topic yeah. and to, to really cover this whole topic becomes so difficult. So um, I, I hope we, 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 we could share some things with our listeners today. Yeah. Um, the founder of the Amdiya community, the Promised Messiah, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadiyan, said that a study of the religions of the world reveals that every religion except Islam contains some mistake or the other. This is not because they were all fools in their origin, but because after the advent of Islam, God gave us, gave up the support of other religions. They became like uh, neglected gardens which had no gardener to look after them and for the irrigation and upkeep of which no arrangement had been made. This is why God then completed obviously Islam for us mm. and uh, now obviously is the time to end our first um, hour yep. and we'll uh, be back with our listeners after news break. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording. And lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you all and uh, welcome back to the second hour of our drive time show here from the Voice of Islam Radio. You're joined by myself, Salman and um, Fahim. In the first hour, we discussed religion and how it um, has impacted humankind throughout history and how it is still as relevant as ever yeah. and the the need of religion and is 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 um, as much as it has ever been. Um, now, in the second hour of today, we are going to be talking about summer break and how will you make the most of it. And obviously, you please do feel free to contact us on our socials or why don't you call us on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Let us know about your plans of summer break um what are you going to do what's your plans what about you for him summer break um i will be spending a lot of time with family uh, i'm hopefully planning a trip to canada as well yeah. a trip to canada yes well wow. my wife is from canada so good to see her family so that's more of a duty than a <laughs> holiday isn't it <laughs> no, <laughs> no, right right no i mean yeah definitely. how about yourself do i think no, some of you <laughs> I mean, yes, there is a sort of summer. I, I probably have a sort of delayed holiday towards um, the end of September, I guess. Yeah. When I check the prices for, for, for flights for, for some of the destinations, such as um, Spain and Morocco, etc., um, they have really skyrocketed. Yeah, that's why I'm going in September as well. Not in this oh, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and a pro tip for, 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 for our listeners' prices, um, there is a £400 difference. If you fly at the end of August or you fly at the end of September, there's yeah. a four hundred pound difference wow. between the, the flights. Definitely. So yes, be 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 careful with those. Um, so yeah, as um, I said, we are going to be discussing summer break. What are your plans? Let us know. 
Um, you can reply to our question on our socials, which is, what are you looking forward to this summer? So, I mean, even living and staying in, in, in the UK or London over summer, th- there are still going to be things that we look forward to, such as the Jalsa Salana, the annual convention of the Amina community, which is coming up uh, on the first weekend of, uh, of, August. Of, of August 22, and uh, which... Um, after a few years is going to be again at a full size and it is obviously the the largest uh, Muslim gathering yeah. across the UK so um, definitely something that we are all looking forward to yes. um, enjoyable time spiritual uh, spiritually uplifting time yep. um, going to be meeting all of our, our friends that we probably haven't seen in, 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 in a, few a few years, years yeah. yeah yeah exactly exactly so yeah definitely something um, and I mean, for, 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 for someone with the right mindset and for every Muslim, there is always something to look forward to, yeah. right? Um, Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, see they not how Allah originates creation, then repeats it. That surely is easy for Allah. Say, travel in the earth and see how he originated the creation. Then will Allah provide um, the latter creation? Surely Allah has power overall things so even within the Holy Quran we are encouraged mm. to to travel the world to 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 see and I mean at the end of the day it is about appreci- uh, appreciation to appreciate what Allah the Almighty has actually created for us yeah um, he hasn't just created um, one one kind of landscape mm. right um, as you mentioned Canada earlier which is a completely different landscape yeah. to what we have here in, in, in the UK which is uh, not great mm. To 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 put it mildly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it could get cold there, definitely. Um, but it's good, beautiful with some mountains and stuff. But you know, going back to the verse, I think that you know, uh, we said it earlier. Like Islam uh, in the Quran has given advice about everything, yeah. literally everything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, this encouragement to to appreciate God's beauty, um, God's uh, create uh, creation, and and the beauty of it. Um, I think that you know, it's it's. It's refreshing. I think um, also referring to the previous um, hour, um, it's it's the education, right? You can learn about other cultures. You can learn about uh, other customs and other religions and, you know, just the way other people are um, by traveling the world. Because if you stay in your bubble, you will, you know, create this echo chamber and you'll never like, you know, diversify your thought in any way. So Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. that's where, um, you know, this encouragement of of travel traveling is, is a great one. Exactly. And obviously, I mean, with the summer uh, holidays around the corner, parents are eagerly looking for activities to keep their little ones busy. Yeah. But this is obviously another tricky one these days, especially, mm. where the younger generation is so consumed with their phones and um, other such um, 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 gadgets Devices, yeah. and life on, on Earth physically um, is is not as active as it is on, on social media and, and other platforms. So... What attractions can we visit? Obviously, is the question. Yeah. What is going to fit into our budget? Another mm-hmm. one. Um, jo- so this is obviously why we um, have asked our listeners to to join us over yeah. the next hour, uh, where we will and try find maybe some solutions. Uh, yeah. We will obviously hear from, uh, from our guest callers and see what what, what suggestions they have for us. Mm. Um, now, obviously, in the UK, as we all know, the summer break normally starts mid July and ends after. Um, six to seven weeks uh, period at the start of September for yep. school and college students 
and especially after the multiple restrictions in the last two years, people now obviously want to fully um, avail this year's summer uh, summer break. The pandemic created huge um, pent up demand for overseas holidays. Yeah, it? I think people are itching to get out. Right, there's just there's a lot of staycations uh, during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of UK beaches full of people yeah. uh, supposed to be in lockdown but yeah um, so we've got some activities for children um, here that you know if you're looking to make sure that your children have fun this summer uh, and get out so 10 of the best UK activity holidays and summer camps for teenagers as reported by the Guardian include sailing expeditions fishing camps horse riding and more mm-hmm. these activities claim to be the adventurous breaks that offer older children a holiday to remember i think that now would be a great um, 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 um point where we should ask someone who is experienced with children our first guest caller awesome which is uh, shazia praveen who's the mother who's, who's a mother of three and a passionate uh, community worker shazia assalamu alaikum thank you for joining us and welcome to the drive time show Waalaikum assalam. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Uh, thank you for taking out your time for us today. Um, now, you are obviously um, a mother of three with varied age groups. How do you manage to keep them busy during the holidays? Uh, obviously, we, we know that these days, obviously, the, the, the influence of TV and phones is, is, is a lot more as back in the days. So how do you manage um, to keep them busy? Uh, yeah, yeah, mother of three, alhamdulillah. And as we all know that uh, summer holidays has already started now. And I think that holidays, especially the summer holidays, is one of the best and most exciting periods for young ones. And um, being a mother of three, uh, I always try to make their holidays full of fun and memorable for them. So um, personally, I do feel it is really necessary to plan some funful activities for children. Um, otherwise, they will spend most of the time on their tablets and computers, mm-hmm. which obviously we don't want. So um, to keep them busy and active, I do plan some outdoor activities for my children, such as uh, um, football and basketball, at least twice a week at our local park. And uh, my children, they also like to ride bicycle and scooters uh, mm-hmm. during summertime. And I also um, take my children to local library at least once a week. And uh, uh, I do feel it is really beneficial for them. And uh, luckily here in UK, there are a number of libraries who also offer summer reading programs and some fun activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Um, uh, it is like really fun and also help them to increase their love for reading. So, um, like basically, I always try to find some new ideas, and I, I, I always try my best. Absolutely, and that, that, that's all what we, we, we can do as parents. Um, do you mind telling me the uh, um, ages of 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 your children? Ages. Um, my um, elder one is thirteen years old. Mm-hmm. And then eight-year-old girl, and then six-year-old boy. So, so you you really do have the um, uh, variation there, and you definitely yeah. obviously have to find yeah. different sort of activities yeah, yeah. Um, for all of them. Now, obviously, a, a a major problem parents face 
is that children don't stick to a set routine. Um, could you share some tips on how that can be resolved? Yeah, that's, that's really true because um, actually it is not easy for uh, them, for children, to stick with an activity for a long time. So uh, um, I personally found like there are a lot of ways to keep them stick and focused but obviously it depends on uh, the age of your child as well. Like, uh, for example, um, my under seven boy, he always uh, wants me to be there in front of him while he plays. And he wants me there for a number of reasons. Like, he loves he loves to ask, ask questions and he wants appreciation for all his tiny achievements. Like, even if he throws a ball, he catch it properly he wants me to watch him and appreciate him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and my daughter she is eight years old and she um loves my company and participation in all her activities so um, for her uh, um, during holidays i minimized my household work and put my phone aside and spend most of the uh, time with her so she can enjoy with me mm-hmm. and um but on the other hand, um, my 13 years old boy, he prefers to play with his age group friends. Right. So, uh, so uh, to make it uh, this possible, I, I usually do contact to his friend's mom and we make plans to go out uh, together so they can play together in front of our eyes. So it, it really helps to engage my teenage boy active and focused during holidays. And as like um, we uh, we live near the mosque, so he also go to mosque more frequently during holidays to offer congregational prayer. And after prayer, all boys play some indoor games there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, that's a good idea to keep him active in a very positive manner, and it works well for me. All right, all right, and yeah, as as you explained that after a certain age, obviously children then do want to. Um, play uh, with uh, other children of their own age, and but at the same time, it is also important for the parents to know their friends and 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 see w- what gla- yes. uh, uh, games they play and 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 what of the sort of circle there are in. Now, I'm speaking about summer, um, since this is obviously uh, the topic of our show today, summer break. Um, do you have any specific plans uh, with your family, and uh, how do you plan to sort of make the most of it? Uh, yeah, well, um, for this summer, I have uh, both some indoor and outdoor plans. Uh, and I hope and pray they all will go smoothly as uh, I have planned it. Mm-hmm. As you know, our plans also depend on weather conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, this summer, I have uh, planned to visit a museum and sea life. And uh, also, we have planned to go to beach and water park. Mm-hmm. My children love to go water park. <laughs> right. And uh, and uh, obviously, on the first week of August, we will attend Jalsa Salana UK for mm-hmm. all three days, inshallah. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and after that, um, in the second week of uh, August, then we will attend some um, activities at our local library, which I have already founded. And um, we have also planned to discover some some leisure parks around Birmingham and Midland. Right. Some new parks and 
and my children also take uh, some regular swimming lessons once a week so we will continue it during holidays absolutely mm. and and uh, and uh, one more thing mm-hmm. which is in the pipeline as we are planning to paint our garden sand and storage room okay. this summer mm-hmm. and all my children love to help me when i paint right. i don't know why mm-hmm. i don't know why but for them this is the best fun activity at home sure. and they always enjoy to paint fans and you know um, other um, they lo- they love painting mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. all my plans so for this summer Oh, I I must say your your children are are very lucky because they have such <laughs> a a, a well planned summer ahead. Um, Shazia, <laughs> I thank you very much uh, for joining us, and I thank I you. wish you a great day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. So yeah, I mean, don't we all love some DIY work? Um, <laughs> not me. Um, not but you. <laughs> Definitely, it's it, you know it can it can keep you busy. Let's just say. Um, but I I think that. You know, this the summer. I think planning is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's it's great to hear from someone like Shazia saying that. You know, it's it's all planned. I think museums are a great idea. You know, I, I still any time I go to a museum, I learn something new. It's it's always a great way to spend some time. No, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, I think um, essentially it is very important. for parents to have a friendly bond with their children mm. so that they exactly know who enjoys what mm. so even if you can't offer them uh something they like all at once but you can give them something at uh different occasions so um if the, if you for instance have three children then you, you can tell them that look this one activity is more um so sort of catered for for your younger sibling but then mm. the next one will be more for okay, you yeah. so this is probably how how you can help them but at the end of the day obviously it is important to really know i mean back in the days um it was probably not as common to be very very friendly uh, with your children mm. um especially speaking about the um indian subcontinent so parents would just take you anywhere right <laughs> you were the tag along <laughs> and you, you you just tag along and you have to enjoy yourself uh how 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 however much you could but obviously now times changed um we we were discussing it before when we the activities yeah, yeah. um for children and um i mentioned that um you know sailing expeditions fishing camps horse riding and more like you know these are some of the great things that uh, older children could do and uh, the reason why i wanted to bring this up was because you know these activities are outdoor and cost over 300 pounds mm-hmm. and you know there's that's that's quite a lot of money you know for for especially if you've got more than one child or just generally like i think that the cost of keeping your uh, children entertained um and you know not just entertain i think that you know when you're when you look at it like that or oh, i have to keep my children entertained i have to keep them distracted so they don't get bored i think it's it's it shouldn't be seen as that it's um i want to provide them with experiences that will help them grow as individuals i think mm-hmm. that's a, that's a better way to look at it because you know whether it's diy or whether it's you know visiting doing sailing they may find a passion for something that they didn't have exposure to mm-hmm. before and mm-hmm. um but you know it can cost a lot the the cost of activities you're right i mean um i was looking into some of the activities we've got more more more, more locally hmm. because i was expecting some guests um from from overseas um london i um the 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 sea life 
madam tizo yeah i mean try 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 doing that with with a group of group of people and yes you are paying about 600 pounds yeah right so it, it, it isn't as as he's a wax statue wax statue exactly but yeah i mean um for for parents uh with children under the age of 10 uh, life during the summer holidays can become more sort of tense obviously mm. because you know they 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 have that energy that they have to sort of take out and when they go to school 5 days a week it's it's usually taken out there yeah. so parents do do get a break so um obviously even though now the kids are getting a break from school uh but planning activities for the young ones can be very difficult with low attention spans especially after the lockdown mm. and keeping children entertained for longer periods of time has become a very challenging task um catering for children of various age groups can often leave the older ones bored so yeah. as we were saying earlier you 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 need to make sure that you cater for everyone um yeah. one and i i mean and especially that there 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 comes an age where children just don't enjoy anything with their family yeah um every every sort of fun seems to be just around their friend circle mm. so to still make things very re- relevant and fun for them it is quite the task which uh can still end in in some sort of uh disappointment from from the children's side but it is what it is isn't it definitely and you know if any of our listeners have some great suggestions we'd love to hear them so yeah. do give us a call as we were discussing in 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 regards to tourism and 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 cheaper holidays um according to the uh statista research department 16% of uh, britons take holidays lasting 2 to 3 days mm. um the word um um sar yep. which which appears in the holy quran which 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 means to travel or or, or to explore um has been mentioned in the holy quran for more than 20 times um many of its usages are in the formulation of of do travel or tell them to travel or um in a question that do they not travel uh the prayer for traveling uh taught in the holy quran is uh, holy is he who has subjected us to this uh this to us and we had not the strength to subdue it ourselves um now obviously if you living here and i mean not just the uk but in general with the new uh, petrol prices yeah it isn't that an, an another issue that we are um facing okay. um how how um are people now supposed to to afford um traveling especially with the prices and i think um it is important here that we speak to someone that probably comes across many travelers isn't it definitely and, and i think that's a great segue into into our next guest um sundas uh mahmoud um working they work at the um bureau de change and they they're going to answer some questions for us today so uh, assalamu alaikum peace and blessings of allah be upon you please uh, welcome to the jo- show walikum salam thank you for having me on the show um so i'm going to get right in you know with your expertise and and where you work um working in the bureau of change uh have you noticed any difference in in people's attitude to towards going on holidays after the lockdown yes of course there's an obvious change um people are frustrated due to the rising cost of living amid lockdown and also want to go out to make up for the alone time they spent in the lockdown hmm. so people are happy and joyful when thinking that they are off on holiday 
um, which was pending for two years. But at the same time, they show dissatisfaction with the rising cost here as well as abroad. Now, finally, when the PCR tests have been scraped off, people have finally found a relief. But still, it's not the makeup for the rise in the cost of living. Definitely. The, the PCR test was definitely a big anxious thing to, to get done before your flight. Um, and so how, how have these rising costs affected holiday budgets? Um, so basically, people are, people are actually coping with the rising cost of living at this time. And going on a family holiday is our challenge. Then it has been noticed that holidays are now booking all-inclusive packages which means they need not to worry about the stuff like food or planning where to go on the day one or day two or so. Also, um, this has changed the cash they are taking abroad. So let's say previously, before the lockdown, people were taking uh, like roughly 500 pounds worth of euros or Turkish lira or Dubai money, that 500 was the average, average limit. But now the limit has been changed to 100 pounds to 300 pounds. Because they say that everything is inclusive and all the uh, the popular websites that uh, gives a nice package, they are actually working on to lower the cost for the holidays. Right. And um, so w- w- in your experience, what have you seen as uh, what, what, what places have been the hotspots for uh, British holidays? Yeah. So few spaces um, like uh, they have been the hotspot forever like um, Tenerife, which is the Spain's largest Canary Island, Menorca, Mallorca, and uh, Dubai and Turkey. They have been the famous hotspots throughout the year. Like, I, I worked in Bureau of the Change in 2016, and I've been working there since now, so it's been like six to seven years. And majority of people are going to these, these areas like any time of the year. Hmm. But... Before the lockdown, there were some other hotspots as well, like Portugal, Dubai, um, Greece, mainly Crete and Corfu Islands. But after, I have noticed that people have shifted to the cheaper areas, like Turkey, like the Greece island that I mentioned, Tenerife, Menorca, Mallorca, because these are actually cheaper than the uh, Dubai, than considering Portugal or other areas. So that has the trend which has shifted to the cheaper places. Definitely, so you can have more spending money on these holidays. That makes sense. Um, And keeping in mind the the current political and and, uh, financial disturbances globally, what do you think is is like the future of tourism? So this question is very hard to answer because these factors, of course, will have an impact on people thinking going abroad. But people love holidaying. People love to travel. So before making a bold answer of my opinion, I, let's consider traveling in the UK. You have a 1.5-engine um, vehicle, and you are going to Cornwall from Birmingham. It's 257 miles, and that's roughly 40 pounds when you are going. Then you are staying for three nights, and you are a family of three. That's 50 pounds per day. And you are eating there, that's £40 per day. And other stuff like um, amusement parks, ride or sightseeing, it's £20. 
So the total cost for the three nights is roughly £410 for a family of three. And if you consider all-inclusive package to the Turkey, it's for the family of three, it's 489 which is not much than the holiday in the UK. So it's not wrong to say, for now, the future of tourism is not shrinking. I think it's bright. No, that's a great way of looking at it. And um, just... Uh Working at the uh, Bureau of Change, do, do you, how does it feel to, to keep seeing all of these people going on holiday? I hope you've got some holidays planned. Yeah, I planned my holiday and I saw the tickets last month and it was roughly £92 mm-hmm. for, for a couple. And today, yesterday when I was checking the ticket, it has raised to £24. Wow. So... It, it's increasing. I know it's increasing, but then people love to go out. Of course, I'll go as well. So, so the, you... this industry, the tourism industry, it, it, it will not shrink. Definitely. In, like for now, it will not shrink, but I can't say in the next five years or 10 years, I, I can't say anything about that. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. And yeah, uh, that was Sundas Mahmood and she works at the Bureau de Change. Uh, gave us some good insight on, you know, the tourism uh, doesn't look like it's uh, going to stop anytime soon. Uh, people are, you know, looking forward to getting out of the country, mm-hmm. having felt maybe claustrophobic and, and staying in this country for too long during lockdown. You know, I think... I find that that holidays you usually take them because you're seeking good weather. But you know we've we've had scorching weather here, haven't we? Yes, we we did. But um, you know heat in other countries feels so much nicer. Yeah. Um, what is it about British heat? <laughs> what is it about British weather in general? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it, it is what it is. Um, now um, you see petrol um, accommodation and food prices are rising not just at home uh, but also abroad as as our uh, guest caller Sundas was just mentioning as well and uh, um, rising costs for accommodation travel and eating um, especially eating out mean a UK holiday is no longer the bargain break mm. it used to be but uh, has sort of the balance shifted in favour of going abroad um, I uh, definitely would say that it, you know the, the balance is now uh, probably more towards abroad, especially um, as you were mentioning that people are now sort of feeling claustrophobic hmm. within the UK for the for the past so many years. I think um, I guess mentioned it as well. Uh, the PCR test, like mm-hmm. I travelled during the lockdown, um, and just getting that PCR test done and worrying that somehow it might come out, you know, positive and. You know that that stress, that added stress of making sure you have the right paperwork, all of that. You know, traveling used to be pretty easy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but uh, post COVID, it was it was quite difficult, and I think it's getting a bit easier now. And I think that that's another added thing. No, abso- of, absolutely true. Um, um, you see, I I travel to Germany at, at least once a year to mm. to visit my parents over there. Um. It used to be so easy, hmm. you know. Um, all you need is your national identity card, and off you go. 
but then during um, co- peak COVID uh, and, and and lockdown times, uh, it didn't become quite difficult, and you you, you would probably be carrying uh, three or four different documents for for uh, each passenger with yeah. you, um, and uh, despite that, you weren't too sure, especially if you were travelling um, by car. Mm. Um, you are going to be crossing uh, and 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 uh, coming across uh, border authorities um, for England and for for France, but that's the thing, right? Because there's there's a different countries. Like uh, we went to to Argentina and, and we went via Spain, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Spain had their requirements, then Argentina had its own requirements. Exactly. So it's like making sure that you're prepared. Like yeah. I had this like nice big folder like mm-hmm. prepared with loads of documents exactly. just for myself exactly so traveling in a big group definitely and then you know you're mentioning germany w- mm-hmm. with the european country brexit as 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 you know impacted that as well just right? added to the misery mm. but yeah um n- now that things are calming down again mm. it, it it is becoming easier um I, I again did go in in um early june um it was definitely much easier but still um, some of of the things are still gonna be a problem for one or the other traveler. Now, um, an interesting thing is that um, a some data taken from the comparison website Travago shows that the average price of uh, accommodation covering hotels and self catering options such as uh, cottages in France from June to August this year is £126 a night compared with £106 during the same period in 2019. That is an increase of almost 19%. In Spain, the average price is up by 16% from 106 to 123 a night. Um, however, in, 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 in Malaga, on the Costa del Sol, average prices uh, have uh, leaped by 34%. Wow. Now that tells you the story of 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 traveling and and vacations, isn't it? Definitely. I I don't think that um, average income has increased by by, by this course, much, yeah. but but uh, everything else. Now those numbers don't make the figure for the UK look so bad. A typical increase of twelve uh, percent from ninety eight pounds in two thousand nineteen to one hundred ten pounds at this summer, for instance. Um, with the promise of better weather and guaranteed enjoyment, paying a bit more for tickets seems very pleasing for for some. Mm. Well, then again, for others like myself, um, going to to countries such as Spain would mm. I would rather pay a little more, but still go there than, than yeah. staying here. It's, it's just that the, definitely it's just the idea of of, of getting out. Yeah, of where you are, isn't it? Also, sometimes just getting on a plane, you know, it just actually feels like you're going somewhere. Oh yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Definitely. Exactly. And, and so, hotel tech provider Alora.ai, um, you know, shows that the average UK hotel prices for summer of 2022 are up about 10 percent from that from last summer, and flights from UK to mainland Europe have significantly decreased since 2019. However, as Rory Boland, the editor of Witch Travel, says, it might not be a surprise if we see some individuals and families reconsidering their plans to go abroad after airlines cancelled hundreds of flights and consumers faced widespread disruptions at airports. This is this is uh, you know I, I live quite close to Heathrow. It's 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 
it's manic right like um my sister arrived as well and, and she was saying that there's just like baggage just all over the place um oh, and it, yeah it's 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 a lot like this impact might pull a lot of people off right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah um actually we, we were just uh discussing this w- within the family a few mm-hmm. days ago and yes the the uh situation at the airport is, is quite a disturbing factor but more about this in 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 a while we now have with us our next guest caller which is Annie but who is a teacher leader of philosophy for children and uh, also enjoys hiking any assalamu alaikum welcome to the drive time show walaikum salam um now during the summer months um how can one stay active and what outdoor activities can we do Um I think first of all as as we were talking earlier about um how I think was it Shazia who was talking about having uh, planned out everything uh, in her holidays what she'd like to do with her children Exactly. Um often what happens is if the weather doesn't um kind of go with our plans we discard all our plans and we decide okay you know what the weather isn't nice we're just going to sit at home and we'll just watch tv or try to finish netflix <laughs> <laughs> and um i think what is really important is to recognize that the outdoor is there available for you uh and most of the things um that i like to enjoy they're all free to enjoy for us and um what i've realized 2 years ago when everything closed down because of covid i i always used to hate running and i used to hate the rain and for some reason being able to put both of those together i realized that it really built my resilience so i now enjoy running in the rain mm-hmm. and um sometimes i think we need to realize is that we have build up this stereotype of oh rain we can't go out or it's cold we can't go out mm-hmm. i've actually hiked in freezing temperatures as long as we are prepared for it and we have the right equipment um i think it's we should be able to enjoy the outdoors all the time and it really builds our mental resilience as well by pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone and and i think that's one of the things that i really enjoy about outdoor activities Obviously mm-hmm. where I'm based in London it's a little bit harder uh to find uh places to go hiking but I've I've realized that I've got forests near my house uh about 10 15 minutes drive and I never used to go there mm-hmm. um so it's it's being able to um just explore what is around us already and even if you uh don't have mountains but we have uh, forests here um that we can go to and another thing that I really enjoy doing and it kind of keeps me on my um uh, planned um what's it called it keeps me uh, together on my plans is um sometimes I um uh, subscribe to some kind of charity challenge uh so I've done charity challenges where while I'm staying active I'm also um being sponsored for either 4k a day uh, for water aid or for humanity first So I think it's about recognizing that you can stay active for yourself and then support people around us as well. Absolutely. Um would you say that um within the Asian community um the stereotype of not being able to do outdoor activities especially in rain is is this something more common within the Asian community? Yeah, I I definitely do think so and especially for women um I I remember in the beginning when I used to go running 
Um, I I run in my long burqa, abaya, whatever you want to call it, and my scarf. And I think I had to get to a level of security where I thought, you know what, I want to run and I don't really care what other people think. I'm doing something for myself. And um, I think it's being able to feel comfortable in your own skin. And I think it's about time we break those stereotypes. And there are lots of people out there who who have actually gained a lot of um, publicity because they are hiking in full... um, full clothing and uh, even with a niqab on and there's nothing wrong with that and I think we need to be able to feel comfortable within our own skin and if someone does say something the outdoor is for all of us it's Mm. it's not restricted for a certain uh, culture or community or race and and I think this is what we need to be able to answer for ourselves rather than you know sticking to our stereotypes Absolutely, and, uh, and and I think uh, the more we do it, uh, the more it will be easier for the people around us to accept, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And like, for example, when I run in the rain, I still have my burqa on and I just have my waterproof jacket on top of it. Sure. And and I'm sure people have thought, what is that crazy woman doing? And mm-hmm. to be honest, it doesn't matter. I do it for myself. I, I'm not doing it to show to anyone um, and and I really do think it's about getting to that level of security within your own values that you practice. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, you you did mention um, in regards to to, to your own um, hobby, which is main um, hiking. Obviously, mm-hmm. as a hiker, what do you enjoy the most about being in the outdoors? Okay, first I ha- I have to um, say is one of my hobbies but i'm definitely not at that level where i can call myself an ex- ex- expert hiker okay. it's something that i started last year and because mm. i've got a fear of heights okay. and i was in that mindset that i wanted to build my emotional resilience and mental resilience by pushing myself out of my comfort zone physically as well mm-hmm. and that's when i uh, i decided to start hiking and i trained up for it a little bit and then we did um with my nephew I climbed Snowdon and um, and I think that's when I realized that, you know, it's something that I really enjoy doing, but mm-hmm. it's not something that you can just go and do without any other activity in between because you do need obviously the mental resilience, but also the physical um, fitness level to some extent. Sure. And um, yeah, so I think it's about recognizing um the work that is needed before uh, you go hiking and and being able to stay informed as well because last year when I went uh, to Snowdon I think there were a lot of people who went there because um, obviously of uh, COVID and lockdown a lot a lot more people started taking up hiking and visiting the outdoors more often and um, and they weren't well informed people were getting stuck on the mountains and I think it's really important to, whenever you take on a hobby, to inform yourself so that when you um, go in to something uh, like hiking, you don't put yourself at risk and others as well, who, mm-hmm. those who are with you and those who might have to save you when you are in a situation where you can't get yourself out of. Absolutely. Um, now, you you do mention uh, Mount Snowden. Um what what other sort of facilities or opportunities are available locally for someone looking to maybe get into hiking? 
Um, so I'm I'm hoping, inshallah, that's that's on my bucket list for this year to climb Ben Nevis or mm-hmm. hike Ben Nevis, inshallah. Mm-hmm. inshallah. Um, and for that, I think what is important um, is to keep up that fitness level. And um, I was actually just talking to my sister-in-law about it, that it doesn't matter how fit you are in terms of running, but hiking is just a whole new level of fitness level that's required. So I think it's about being able to continuously push yourself out of your comfort zone. When you do feel out of breath, you don't say, oh, I'm done with it now. So I think in between, because obviously I can't um, I can't go hiking every week. So to keep up with those fitness levels, I do um, I do run at least once or twice a week. I do either 5K or 10K. Mm-hmm. And then when, um, and on the weekends, if I feel like it, I'll go for a long walk in one of the forests. And like in the holidays, I'm inshallah going to go visit my family in Holland. Now, Holland is called the Netherlands for a reason. There, there is last my last run there was the elevation was minus two. There, there is no elevation at all no. in Holland. Mm-hmm. So um, I had to stick to running to keep up my fitness level. So for those who are in London, it is a little bit harder, but you can go to the gym and you can um, practice on the treadmill. But for me, I, I just like being... Uh, on the you know outdoors and for me it's just one way of building my mental resilience my philosophical sensitivity there's so much around us that we've been blessed with by Allah and we really should you know enjoy that absolutely um any it was lovely speaking with you uh Jazakallah for your for time me, and we should lovely day assalamualaikum assalamualaikum so yeah, uh, we were just um, speaking with um, anybody who is obviously um, a teacher, but also loves hiking and give us some great insight. Um, though she says that she is not an expert, but I think it's great insight for someone that is maybe trying to get into hiking. Mm. And um, also, uh, I think for for some um, women, it 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 may be a deal breaker. Because of um, their, their 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 hijab or their burqa, but now sh- she does it on a, on a regular basis, yeah. and that with the whole uh, burqa and hijab, we, which is quite uh, commendable. And uh, as as she rightly said, that the more we do it, uh, the more common it becomes for, and it is yeah. much easier for the people around of, uh, us to accept, isn't it? Definitely, and like you know, I I know quite a few big brands uh, have have even come out with like different sporting hijabs etc so just the more common it becomes the more you stick to your values and how you want to represent yourself mm-hmm. it's it's you know um, it's going to make it easier for everybody else but I think um, you know before we come to the end of the show there's, there's one uh, event that we uh, know is, is the staple of our summer right and um, that's the the Jalsa Salada um, that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community holds um you know it's a three-day convention uh every day uh, every year um it's located in the british countryside in hedikatul medi um and you know it serves not only as a physical break but also provides a spiritual boost right Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely and this year's convention is is on the 5th to 7th of august um other than daily programs one of the biggest advantages of attending Dalsa is being able to meet friends and family from all over the world 
Um, a number of exhibitions and interactive stations are set up to keep the attendees engaged during the lunch break and when the day ends. Uh, speaking of the lunch breaks, the, the food is amazing as well, right? Oh, love the food. Yeah. Um, definitely a highlight. And um, yeah, the com- the convention was established by the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, the Promised Messiah and Imam Mehdi, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, peace be upon him. He presented you know, four main purposes uh, of this convention. Um, the first one to be to increase one's communion with Allah the Almighty. Uh, the second to pray for those uh, brothers and sisters who have passed away um, and the third to meet new members and increase the brotherhood um, and the fourth one to, to gain an increase in knowledge you know it's it's an activity which all family members can take part in right and um, I think uh, th- there's a quote that I think you'd like to share, right, about the Promised Messiah. Absolutely. Um, so the Promised Messiah in this regard says that the primary purpose of this convention is to enable every sincere individual to personally experience religious benefits. They may enhance their knowledge and due to their uh, being blessed and uh, enabled by Allah the Exalted, their perception of Allah may progress. Among its secondary benefits is that the congreg- uh, congregational meeting together will promote mutual introduction among all brothers and it will strengthen uh, the uh, fraternal ties within this community and uh, obviously I mean we we have all seen um, all of these things actually happen um, the, 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 the spiritual benefit that, that we get from the Jalsa uh, and, and also um, the, the, the love and brotherhood that increases at Jalsa and th- there are so many uh, brothers that we meet um, especially during Jalsa duties um, there are new faces that, that we see there are faces that we hadn't seen in a long time but you, you suddenly come across and it, it, it is complete joy yeah, no, definitely. I have uh, one particular person who we, we always laugh because literally I think the only time we've ever seen each other is at Jalsa. Ah. Like like literally, like w- when we were young, we, we obviously knew each other, but then it came to a point where, you know, as we got older, we literally see us see each other once a year and mm-hmm. it's always at Jalsa. And exactly. it's, it's just such a nice thing to, you know, have this um, community event where you see these you know familiar and new faces you yeah. also walk away you know get talking to someone while you're waiting in a queue for jai right um yeah. so it's it's definitely a, a great convention and you know um a lot of the times i found myself quite busy during the, the times like helping with organizing but um if you a few times i've taken the time to be able to go visit some of the exhibitions and they are incredible like some of the the things that there are there that are available it's it's really nice to see absolutely and obviously one thing that uh we shouldn't and can't forget is the fact that uh the spiritual progress which is um the the first and foremost um priority for jalsa salana that we we get to pray uh, behind our Imam, the Caliph of the Amdi community, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Rahmat, who is the fifth um, um, successor of the Promised Messiah, mm-hmm. and there are spiritually uplifting speeches, um, really, really uh, packed with information, um, with uh, events and incidents and information about spirituality, and I mean there there is just so much to 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 take away from that jalsa. Uh, there is so much experience you, you make. 
um, the, uh, whilst performing your duties. There are different kinds of duties that that, that you can learn from. Mm. And I mean, someone that has really been invested in, in these jalsas, um, he can definitely say from experience as well that we have made so much progress uh, personally as well mm. because of Jalsa Salana. There are so many things that we probably wouldn't learn on the outside, yeah. but we do um, learn these uh, at Jalsa Salana. So we, we obviously did ask our um, listeners uh, the question at the beginning that what are you looking forward to this summer? And um, got some answers. Uh, uh, yes, we do have some answers for them. And uh, one obviously very common answer is Jalsa Salana again. Jalsa UK and International Bad, Jalsa Salana with more people than previous year, inshallah. Um, some say it's family time. Some say they're going to London. Um, um, and uh, someone also said that they're traveling to Germany to visit their family. So obviously th- there are all sorts of excitements um, that we are looking forward to um, this year, this summer. But uh, I think one common factor, as, as we are also mentioning, is the Jilsa Salana. So obviously uh, in today's show we talked uh, about what can be done during the summer break and how can parents keep their children entertained. We also spoke about the impact rising costs has uh, had on the holiday expenses and the threat faced by the alternative holiday, um, which is camping. And also uh, getting a break from the daily routine and spending time with your loved ones is important, whether it is by traveling abroad or just having a garden picnic. Hopefully this summer everyone is able to top up their energy and is relaxed enough until next year's summer break. Uh, while encouraging travel in general, the Holy Quran also strongly recommends travel when it has a specific purpose, which is travel to trade, um, search, explore, visit, migrate, enjoy, learn, study, and so on. So yes, the, the, this was our little contribution um, in, in talking about um, the, the summer break. Um, mm-hmm. Our pr- producers uh, today's uh, for, for today's uh, shows were Zainab Fatima and Amatun Noor. Tayyiba and uh, that is it for today. Assalamu alaikum and we are now going over to the news.